romantic warrior. He's travelling sweetly as he claimed the other pair. Torbjorn Diamond next and then came Denon the Kid. But romantic warrior, he's well clear in the Hong Kong Cup. He's three lengths over money catcher Denon the Kid. He is the perfect racehorse romantic warrior and he's now a Hong Kong Cup winner. Romantic warrior by five for James McDonald. Beat Denon the Kid. I think you'd want to check the brands on both Panther Lassa and Jack Dorr. Absolute non-event from the Japanese, and we gave Jake a fair bake on the Hong Kong Prunners preamble that Romantic Warrior is going to get distance, and he absolutely <laughs> gapped him. Yeah, got a strong opinion wrong there. <laughs> Jeez. And a strong opinion that only got stronger after the Vars win. Maryland goes blows by Senor Tober and Co., and it's like, here we go again, the Japanese on another level. And I think we're, we're going to give it to Panther Lassa will be the flop of the week. Mm-hmm. He individually, flop of the week for talking the talk and not walking the walk as well. What were they doing? But he's carrying the can for the, the whole Japanese army in that race. They all disappointed and as impressive as the winner was, it did turn very much into the lead up again. Although he did extend margins. I was looking at it. Because you look at that and you think, wow, have we underrated Romantic Warrior? Is he, mm. is he a superstar? Uh, he's on the fringes would be my guess. He's more like a, an ambitious dragon type than a beauty generation or a... It's, this isn't a uh, Lord Canaloa-style performance. We're not in that ballpark. We're in good, well-up-to-scratch winner of a big Hong Kong international, but not yeah, not, not, not Lord Canaloa, not Able Friend. He's not banging down the door internationally. He's not Silent Witness. He's, you know, obviously we're talking different distances here, but he's not in that realm. He's in, yeah. the, he's in the more designs on Rome realm, which means he can go, he can travel the world. He, he can go to Dubai and get distanced. Yeah, I don't know if he'd get distance. He'd be competitive there. I think that's the, that's the, that's the horse he is. But he's not um, – he doesn't Too, go to Dubai and be arm and die. Yeah. Yeah. And, in fact, if you look, Australasian ratings for 2022, and this is our 2022 review show, so we'll skip through this fairly quickly. Nature Strip, title holder. Title holder's the sort of middle distance, 2022, Australasia, big dog. He's kingpin. Disappointed in France, but – Conditions completely against him, and, and he's back in Japan and, and ready for the Aramakinen Equinox Golden 60, I suppose. Animo, Romantic Warrior, Jack Daw, all rated the same. So I would say what Romantic Warrior did there on, on Saturday was Animo esque. As I said, it's, it's tempting to go back and think we've underrated Romantic Warrior, but the margins he puts between himself and Eric the Eel and Money Catcher extend here. And those were Eric the Eel, for, for all that he has a funny name and we have a laugh at him, has been. Handicapper's best friend. Love very, it. very reliable. So he was four pounds and change behind him in the QE2, three pounds and change behind him in the lead up, and now 12 pounds behind him. Hammered. Yep. So it all looks very much a case of the winner peaking on the big day and, and being set for it. And probably if there was a mistake made by me, it was not putting enough weight into the fact that he was at his best first up, but he was first up. In the lead up and, and that there probably was more to come and, and probably pigeonholed him a bit. As Jake did point out, or tried to before we told him to <laughs> Shut him up. down and told him, mate, this Japanese horse is just going to clean his clock. When Panther Lassa didn't lead by his usual margin, you knew something was wrong. But then when Jack Daw was idled up next to Romantic Warrior, I was like, oh, we're in trouble here both ways. So Jack Daw, we, we would still say, and I had a look at that as well, there's, there's not really a case to... To change it out. I mean, Wynn Maryland came out from behind Jack Daw to, mm. to win the Vars and things like that. There's not really a case to to be negative about Jack Daw's form either. So I've actually got, I would say Jack Daw and Romantic Warrior have the same peak. More promise now in Romantic Warrior. Mm. He sort of widened the right tail 
yep. if you like, thinking about it like a like a distribution around the peak. Jack's is, is thinning. It is. 125 is starting to look like it's on the right-hand side for Jack, whereas it, it might be the middle for Romantic Warrior. But time will tell. Exciting all the same. He was the best winner on, on the day for sure. Yep. He is 2-1 over California Spangle, who was the other probably good winner. The other two were a little bit below historical standards. So 2-1 over California Spangle, the slightly better horse, but they're two good ones. Mm. Yeah, it's good to see them progress from the four-year-old series and now front up on their international weekend. That's the dream for Hong Kong because less horses are going to Hong Kong now, I think, and they need these horses to come through. Otherwise, the cabinet's getting pretty bare. When you say less horses are going to Hong Kong, you mean from here? Mm. Like import or exports. Yep. Yeah. Is that true? I don't know. I think more horses will – I mean, this is all a theory, but I think the more our prize money goes up, the less horses will be sold. Yeah, well, that's – And they don't breed their own horses. It's a fairly um, easy-to-believe theory. Mm. They are completely reliant on other jurisdictions to provide their horses, and hence they need good horses to come through that four-year-old series because if they don't, their racing at the top end is pretty light on. They're always going to have good sprinters, I think. They buy a lot of sprinting types. We harped on about when you get beyond a mile, they're not much good. So to have Romantic Warrior is massive for them. Yeah. At this <coughs> level, as I said, he's one of the best horses in Australasia and he'll just keep cleaning them out if unless they travel. They won't travel, will they? Don't know. It all depends on the owner over there. Like Beauty Generation didn't travel. Yeah, well, hopefully <coughs> he's sporting. For our for entertainment's sake. Mm. I mean, it'd be great for handicapping for him to get out of the old concrete jungle and find out the fishbowl. Let's see how good he actually is. Morikawa there was the man, the momentum man. He's flying. Be Shin. Be Shin. Zach and makes it hard because he rides that place like a video game. It's unbelievable how he just good. just hits the pars, hits the pars. But Blake on Russian Emperor in the cup as well. So the highest rated, the flop, and now the Morikawa all in the Hong Kong Cup. And... Hat tip to William Buick as well for Geoglyph. Flush that too. Yeah, so those were the two that were in the right spot. So I suppose what that says to me is that Russian Emperor's been ring rusty in a couple, but he, you know, better run here and, and he might come back to the boil later in the season for the, the mile and a half. But Geoglyph gets every chance. Mm. So that's a disappointing yep. disappointing show from him. So we oh. get Panthalas is carrying the load, but the, the full Japanese army in the cup really gets the flop of the week, don't they? They were horrendous. But Blake Shin doesn't. Am I right in saying back-to-back Morikawas? Back-to-back Morikawas, a late surge, doesn't get him the Morikawa Award for the year. Do you want to announce that now? Do we just keep, do we flow this? We go straight into it. Well, you can do that now because we've got other jockey awards. We've got so many awards. There are, there's <laughs> almost too many awards. It, it's like every other award night. It's a bore, but. <laughs> don't switch off. Don't switch off. So Blake gets to two, which puts him in a tie for second with Damien Lane, Jai McNeil, Mickey D., Nash, Paddy Maloney, and Rachel King. What a set. What a set of second placings. But the jockey who's, I'm not going to say unfairly, being given a bake by myself. Well, you're not going to say unfairly because you said it. <laughs> so we asked him to come on the show and he said, no, I listened two weeks ago and Dinopolis says I was unbackable, gone, finished, and now a Morikawa champion. Big grin on his face when he found out he was actually winning our prize Morikawa award. Karen McAvoy with three. Well under Karen, still think he's unbackable, but cannot <laughs> deny the fact that on those three meetings, he rode three of the best races and no other jockey has been able to dominate or win a meeting that many times as much as Karen. So credit to him. Well played. And now the last gasp Pendrith winner for the weekend was out west where we had the gold rush. 
We did. The astrologist. You're on track. Great place to be. I mean, I had the rush. Where was better? Ascot or Glosser Park in the mobile? Well, they didn't let me on the mobile at Ascot. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good race day, I think. Yeah. And the Pendrith Award didn't topple ratings-wise the astrologist, not quite romantic warrior. But there is an award to go west, and that is the Pendrith, which goes, and not in the gold rush, but it it helped edge him over the line. (laughs) Uh, C. Barnum, Alaskan God, given plenty to do in the Perth Cup lead-up by design, perhaps. I think Chris will be pretty happy the focus isn't on Perth all year round, or I would say he is in the running for the Pendrith nearly every week. The ride on Alaskan God, ridden by design. It's pure Pendrith. It's pure Pendrith. It's slaughtered to instructions. Interesting takeaway from the lead-up, now looking at the Perth Cup, a lot of people felt Alaskan God was disappointing, mainly due to the fact he was odds-on coming off the wait-for-age form. Certainly disappointing if you backed him. Certainly disappointing if you backed him. He was the weight horse coming from the better form against the handicappers. He didn't have to give them weight, and he wasn't able to round them up. But again, this staying race is an absolute joke. Yeah. Buster Bash is a sectional markup, the winner who raced on speed. So when that happens and you're ridden in the back of the field, you have absolutely no chance. I think his effort was fine. He's about as good as the winner on the day. Mm. And I would say. you could argue he didn't back up if you want and now goes fresh into the Perth Cup with a bit of a chink. But I don't think he was bad enough to say he didn't back up. He's too close to his form to say he didn't back up, isn't he? I think he's, he's run too well to think that. Mm. He can't run that well without being onish. I think we're the only ones that are saying that he's run well there, though. We're on our own on that one. Okay. But he, I'd say, still has to start Perth Cup favourite. And we're going to get a price. And the key to Alaskan God is he is by far and away the best horse in that Perth Cup field. And can we please get a tempo? Or can they just ride him like it? <laughs> the barriers haven't helped his chances. He's drawn wide in all of them. Yeah, just roll. They're never going to do that. I'm so worried about being wide, it's just ridiculous. Not enough people listen to our podcast for you to make a difference on, on that front. But if he draws a gate in the Perth Cup, I, I still think it's over. He'll win. Don't He'll trouble. win. He Here will. He's better than them. We've talked about it for long enough now that you've just come around from, I think he was okay on the weekend. Too. He'll just win the Perth Cup. If he draws a gate and they put him in the race. Well, let's him I keep talking about this for another five minutes and we'll have him just backing up the truck here. I will be. <laughs> what a way to bring in the new year. Just hammer Alaskan God in that Perth Cup, assuming he draws a gate. But back to Chris Parnham. Horrendous. And I was going to say, back to Chris Parnham, kiss on all four cheeks. Isn't Ooh. It's not bad enough to – it certainly wasn't the ride that won in the Pendrith because it was a strongly run gold rush. Eh. 1.5 million on the line. That'll get a that finally draws a tempo out of them. And sprint trip, they tend to go a little bit quicker. But she could still be considered an unlucky loser. Yeah. And being trackside, I, I can assure you from the look on his dial, D. Morton thought he was an unlucky loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a good day for C. Parnham from the Dina Pool like perspective. Alaskan God, kiss on all four cheeks, and then. Has the Velvet Queen got out yet in the last? It yeah. hasn't. Uh, it wasn't a kind day. But the numbers, don't think I'm biased in just giving it to Chris because of this. The numbers certainly backed up our assessment. So Chris wins the award. We were going to do double points if it gave us a chance to knock off Mark Zara, but Chris will now have two awards, which doesn't get him into the finish. Gets him in for a tie for third. Second place, three-way tie, Craig Williams, Hugh Bowman, William Pike. But out in front, 
and certainly won't be run down, unlike a few of his rides this year. <laughs> Mark Zara with five, the most dominant Pendrith winner we've ever seen. <laughs> the thing I really love about this is you've got McAvoy stamped as unbackable and he wins the good award. <laughs> and I reckon Mark Zara, you want to find like no one else in Melbourne. Dud of the year. Melbourne Cup, every, he's had the year of his life. No, not having it, Mark. Dud. <laughs> five terrible rides in that season. Nothing but hosel rockets all year round. <laughs> Mr. Pendrith himself. I do love this. So essentially five bad rides. How many does Zara have a season? Yeah, I think they're probably his only bad five one. Only bad five. And we've given him <laughs> given him the award at every opportunity. But we're only playing by the numbers. We can only maybe it's that's the case. When he gets it wrong, he gets it real wrong. And we found Kieran's only three good rides <laughs> to give him the Morikawa. So a bit of fun with those awards. We'll reset those counters when we come back next year. I think we're aiming for the Magic Millions weekend. That'll be our first podcast back. So a nice little break for us. And we'll reset the counter on the Racing and Sports podcast page. That'll stay up there because no doubt Kieran will want to show that to all his family at Christmas. You'll be screenshotting that. Absolutely. On to our next round of awards. Best two-year-old for this season. Can you give us the top three? I can give you a top three and two of them from the same stable. This probably isn't all that exciting, so we can just rattle through them. But uh, the two-year-olds at the Christmas turn, it's actually a good point to stop with the two-year-olds because pre-Christmas is its own world in a way. Few get a chance to sort of put their name up and and say I might be part of it when it really starts, which is Magic Millions. That's when it sort of really starts. But three in particular, and we're saying the group in general is quite good, and that's continued over the weekend. I noticed the two-year-old winners I was rating are better than typical. Mm. Across it's looking the board. good. Yeah, even what was Gay's winner at Kembler and the Melbourne winner, Robbie Griffiths Horse out of Twilight Royale. That they keep, you know, they've stood up really well pre Christmas. Very rarely, I actually had to double check with you that I had this right, but Brave Halo over in Perth, even like he's cracked the 100 mark, which is unusual for a two year old in Perth. Yeah, and he's in the, he made the 10, but not the three where we'll count down from. But no, yeah. big honorary mention. Yeah. Because, yeah, he. Brave Smash, he's got one. Yeah, he's got one absolutely in Perth there. And, and you you had a guess, I would say, a Brave Smash is unlikely just to be a pre-Christmas squib. He's yeah, you wouldn't think so. Won three already, right? I mean, we talk about Amelia's Jewel. He's done plenty right pre-Christmas. Like, he's he's on track to be better than her at two. Yeah, obviously it's hard to, especially almost by being good at this point, you sort of lower your... Have you shown your hand? Yeah, a little bit. I, you know, and keeping up can be very hard work post-Christmas. But as I said, own world to some extent, but... You would think there's every chance Brave Halo is a better horse post-Christmas. King's Gambit has only been seen once and is third. It looked pretty good too. And it? looked fantastic, King's Gambit. So it's Snowden's first entry. And I think that was the week after the Jim Crack and the Breeders. And to be honest, if we keep doing this award every year, I'm guessing the Jim Crack and the Breeders winners are going to feature quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but King's Gambit hits the podium and is probably the most interesting one, I think. Yep. Because... The most competitive two-year-old races pre-Christmas are invariably the Breeders' Plate and the Jim Crack, and the winners, Platinum Jubilee and Empire of Japan, round out second and third. Platinum Jubilee, I would say, more like a typical Jim Crack winner. Yep. Empire of Japan looks like he might be slightly better than that as a Breeders' winner. He looked... Nice style about him. ...really good. And it's interesting that for a stable like the Snowdens, he's the Breeders' horse, and then they're able to turn around a week later and let rip with something like King's Gambit. You can't help but think, okay, you've already pecking ordered them, have you, at home? Yeah. Now, there can be other considerations, owners and such, and, and you don't want to read too much into it. But it's interesting. 
And he's had other winners as well. So they've got a bit. They've got a bit of heavy artillery early. And, and King's I think he Gambit, can train a two-year-old. He's not bad. And King's Gambit is the Blue Diamond Horse. Yeah, so let's uh, go to Caulfield. Have a look around. Yeah. No, I can I can see that. They look winners of those early features that look like they'll be... They're going on with it. They'll be part of the, the later features by the look of it. Of course, it's never so simple, but yeah, they didn't look like... Every now and then, you quite often in recent times, you'll see a breeder's play particular debutant winners as a general rule, or for Caulfield. But every now and then, you'll see one, you think, oh, that's... Um, I'll see you in a prelude. I'll see you in a prelude at two dollars forty. That's what that's that that is. Yeah, Shin still hasn't moved. Mm. No, no, and hasn't moved and and was finishing fast. So there's there's a lot to like. Three year olds. We had plus horses last year, like horses to follow, which we'll do as well from outside the the big three. The best filly from a good set of fillies: Zugotcha, Gulangata, mm. Amelia's Jewel. That's a good set. That's a good set. But in secret. The pick of them through the Coolmore, which was a high-pressure race, and she was just strong, strong, strong. So, um, so much substance to that win. Loved it. Uh, she's the real deal, I would suggest. She was behind Zugotcha earlier in the prep in that really hot form race, and, and obviously Zugotcha, terrific herself and a well-up-to-scratch flight winner. So, they've got a pretty good set, the Phillies. Cool and Gatter, Amelia's Jewel, you've already got two there that have open weight for age group one winners. And I'm saying in secret's better than all of them. And I think, to be honest, Everyone is, aren't they? I'd say so, yeah. Uh, Giga Kick won the Everest, so more knocking off the Elders. So they should, but he wasn't expected to in an Everest, but that's, no. a, that's a big performance. And I know he was... I still um, don't believe it. He was below that form in the Classic afterwards, but not by far enough to think it was a complete outlier. Touched stiff, really, and ran well. So in a messy race as well, very hard race to draw huge conclusions about. But I think he has now done enough... Either side of that, the form either side of it looked good enough to sit there and say, no, that's real. Is he quokka bound? Well, do you know, it's funny. In the Everest, I thought, well, I'm not, you know, the Everest is going to be very hard for him to win, but he does have a whiff of the quokka about him. He does. He's long, long had a quokka look to me. Don't be surprised to see him line up in the quokka, possibly Mazu as well. I'll tell you what, that race is heating up. <laughs> the talk of the town. When I was in the West, I actually suggested a way for them to do the barrier draw for the quokka was to club a quokka. Yeah, whack a quokka. Yeah, they didn't think that was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> you just you give the like own, the old arcade the own, game. Yeah, well, you give the owners like a club, yep. caveman style club, and then just release them onto Rotnest and let them come back with a quokka. I thought you were and going, you paint numbers under all of them. Of course, that's that's the barriers. I thought you were going for more the arcade version, not actual real quokkas, which I can understand they weren't happy with. Oh, okay. No, I was. I thought I'd toned it down with clubs instead of ice picks. <laughs> <laughs> And the other three-year-old here, controversial, mm. El Bodegon, is a three-year-old. He is a three-year-old. And makes the list with the same rating as Giga Kick through the Cox Plate, where I thought he was fantastic. And I would think he'll find himself better suited in other spots. Yep. He, I don't know whether they think this or whether the race has gone off the, is no longer fashionable, but he's as good a tankered prospect as there would be getting around, isn't he? Have to be, although I'm pretty sure you'll find he'll be in the Doncaster. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, Chris. He'll be in the Doncaster getting outpaced. Maybe if we ride him quieter. That brings us on to the plus horses. And sim- off the same list and a, and a very similar vibe and probably being set for the Doncaster as well. Maybe we can put some speed in his legs. The very strong staying Sulcum mm. should be in a Tancred. Yep. And maybe, what about that Q22 race for... Plenty of cash up north. They're giving it away up there. Plenty of cash up there for the Q22 and that 
requires some staying ability as well, of which Sulcum has plenty. Hugely promising coming down as a fast and dominant winner of a Melrose and terrific on his Australian debut here. The further they went, the stronger he got. He was better than the bare result. He's as promising as any three-year-old on that list. Promise being measured as not just how good you are, but how good you might be yep. and what you might win. I'm sort of factoring that in a little bit because I'm immediately backtracking on he's as promising as anything on that list. <laughs> but he is plenty promising. He is. Aft Cabin, what do we expect from him next prep? I expect – so I still have him rated and I still think he's a bit better than Golden Mile. Would you agree? You're not, sus on Golden Mile anyway, aren't you? I don't think he's much good, no. When I say – I yeah. should clarify. <laughs> so I've done my backtracking, yeah. you do yours. <laughs> when I say I don't think he's much good, I actually don't think he's going to – he's not a legit group one horse on our rating. So that's when I say not much good. He doesn't match previous winners of the races he's won. So, like he's a low, he's a low rank Guineas winner. So you don't think Golden Mile is the Doncaster favourite right now? On profile, he is, right? On profile, he is. Yep, but no. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think. Oh, put it this way: I back Aft Cabin before I back him. This, I suppose this is why Aft Cabin is getting. What are we calling this? The Plus Award or something? Mm. That'll do. The promise of the ones who aren't winning the three-year-old award, of which Giga Kick and El Bodegon. Share. These are the ones I'm looking forward to seeing coming back. Probably more so than the top, yeah. After Cabin, very interesting. Once you get to the top, you're almost boring. We know how good you are. Very true. We don't know how good After Cabin is. We don't know how good Sulcum is, and I want to find out about both of them. I have more faith in After Cabin being put in the right races. Yep. Interesting one for me, who we didn't get to see a lot of, but he absolutely tanked up on Golden Mile, was Kaboo, Gay's Horse. Mm. I would have him. Maurice Kitty. I would have him Doncaster favourite. Well, oh, I no, like I was, where you're going, but I that was, is an aggressive stance. No, no. <laughs> Backtrack. Oh, <no. laughs> I would, in terms of leading Doncaster contenders, I, he's the one I'd want to back. Golden Mile, if he is top of the market, well, I'm not really interested, but he they could miss him. Yeah, absolutely. He's an interesting horse. And Gay will put him in the right races. Yep. Now, can you round out who are the top ten horses? So, Because the, they'll do horse of the year. When do they do horse of the year? They usually do it about nine months late. <laughs> nine months, you know, in nine months' time, they'll make a big song and dance that Nature Street was the best horse eighteen months ago. Well, they do it in different states as well, as and they it <laughs> changes how good the horse is. It's always funny they send um, the Australian Horse of the Year out set in the wrong year when you've completely forgotten about the year before, and they send it out embargoed, like you can't tell anyone. And it's the Australian Horse of the Year. Please don't tell anyone before we announce that it's weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. And this year it will be. Oh, we haven't, got, we haven't been told yet in the media, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be Nature Strip. <laughs> but don't break the embargo. I haven't been embargoed yet, but it will be Nature Strip. Some people might say Animo. Mm. In fact, a lot of people, you know, we give, people put a lot of mustard on middle distance. We sort of, everyone sort of knows that the sprinters are much more competitive and much, it's much harder to win the big four sprints. The Lightning, yeah. the TJ, the Everest and the Classic are all Cox plates, essentially. We have... Four Group 1 sprints, we have two Group 1s over middle distances, which is the Cox Plate and the QE. Everyone else is pretending, yeah, really. And Animo did do a fantastic job of winning the Cox Plate, but Nature Strip is the horse of the year. Mm. Home Affairs nicked a big sprint and beat him. Dead lucky to do so. but oh, Yeah, my word. Dead lucky to do so and never backed it up, but he'd no. been fast before that and he's yeah. he's a good horse. Thunder's terrific. Tell me his Coolmore was slow. I can't tell you his Coolmore was slow. You know why? It wasn't. Because it was fast. <laughs> and even though he failed overseas, Artorius sort of advertised the form. Is he Doncaster favourite? <laughs> he should be, but unfortunately I'm sure he's going to the Lightning. <laughs> why, why have you gone and upset me? 
mid podcast. We've got so many, so many bits and pieces that put a smile on my face, and you go and start talking about Artorius being jammed in sprints again. To be honest, they just need to probably ride him a bit colder. Oh, these are just honourable mentions. Yeah. This is this is a bit boring. Thunderstruck, well, Giga, El Bodegon, Zaki, yeah, yeah, Alligator Blood. Private Eye was fantastic, but it petered out on the, the last day when he had his chance to go and put himself right up in the frame with those. What do you reckon Joe does with him? Is he QE or is he... I t- think he'll run he? in the... He'll go rider Doncaster, won't he? Although now you've got the All-Star Mile do they, and it's worth... They destroyed the George Rider. One of the, my favourite races of the year. They ruined it. Well, they ran it on the same day, yeah. What a great plan. Both guineas on the same day. I hate that less, but it's still a... I don't hate the guineas on the same day. I don't want to say I don't hate it. I do, but... <laughs> they, <laughs> It'd be wrong to say I don't hate it, but it's not... I don't mind it because then you generally get... They converge in the Rose Hill guineas. And yeah, then so it is a bit yeah. of point of difference as in... You get the Sydney v and Melbourne. You get, you get some form lines. To, you can actually maybe form a strong opinion. Yeah, I like it. I get that. Okay, so that's why it gets a pass mark. As a sporting thing, it's stupid. Oh, it's very yeah. stupid. Yeah. But there's too many guineas anyway. It, I'll tell you what, that's campaign for 2023, write this down, is to get all the guineas, to get rid of the word guineas. The guineas is a spring classic at Newmarket and we can have an honorary guineas in our spring here over the mile for the three-year-olds. But once we get into deep autumn and even the winter and we're running 1,400 and 1,200 metre guineas, come on. <laughs> Name them after good horses or, and better yet, after Christmas, stop running three-year-old restricted races. Rant I think over. they want to bring in a three-year-old sprint. Actually, they, they have. They, they brought, don't get me started. They brought in a golden eagle for four-year-olds. They brought in diamonds for five-year-olds. Oh. What a form race! It's All been they want to do is make sure diamonds. it's not. <laughs> they just want to destroy competition. Anyway, got your guns. Good. Yeah, I didn't mention Think It Over in that list of horses that were on the in the top ten as well, and he deserves a mention because he was last year's fourth of the year. And with, with that, let's move on to the fourth of the year. The four, well, I'm doing a top ten countdown fourth of the year. I'll tell you what, I'm looking at number 10 and I can see the excitement. Well, I've got a quote here too. Friend of the show and I asked her if she would give this award out for us. Yep. She couldn't make it. She's busy. Fair enough. Busy time of year. But she sent a, a, little, she sent a little preamble to the preamble. Oh, lovely. Via Google. <laughs> <laughs> we all have special numbers in our lives and four is that for me. It's the day I was born, my mother's birthday, and a lot of my friends' birthdays are on the 4th. And April 4 is my wedding day. Friend of the show and absolute fan of fourth of the year, Beyonce Knowles. <laughs> How have you found that? But unavailable, <laughs> unavailable to present the award. She sends her best. She'll be listening. No doubt. Tenth and a very honorary tenth. Oh, actually, can I go back first to 31st? 31st best fourth of the year yep. was a brave title defence by Think It Over. 31st? Mm, he ran fourth in the Tancred at Newcastle. Behind you, Ace. Yep. And it wasn't enough to, to secure him back-to-back titles, but I, that's some ask. Well, it's not a it's a tough award to win. It's a very hard award to win. The winner in, the winner of the fourth of the year this year would win most group ones off his reigning. He has won several. <laughs> yes. But think it over who was busy winning Queen Elizabeth this year instead of running fourth in them. Uh, still a massive hat tip for such a proud defence running fourth in that tankard. But the tenth best was Kemadari. What a champ. He's a great horse and he despises me. Yeah, he tried to bite you, didn't he? Yeah, he wanted a nip. He's, he, as soon as I walked in there, it's, it's as if he knew about those jokes I made about him going from coming second to not coming at all. <laughs> <laughs> Ears went straight back. He didn't like me much. Fair enough. To be honest, it only improved. I think more of him for it. He's clearly a good judge of character as well. 
ninth and eighth, actually. Eighth and ninth are a uh, Kiwi double punch. Aegon and Levante. Kiwi double punch, both on Champions Day. Aegon has been dusted at short odds since in New Zealand. And Levante, I assume, will be running in the big summer sprints over there. But she did a terrific job to run fourth in the admittedly very busy, very messy and generally unlikable champion sprint. But she was pretty good running fourth there and she did it first up, which she probably should have just had a run beforehand and run a few pounds. <laughs> Maybe that would have found her the few pounds that would have seen her beat Rock and Horse. Another Kiwi mare who she's almost certainly better than. Yeah, that would have to sting. Mm. That's uh, shades of what a fantastic training performance, getting Gypsy Goddess to run a place in a Golden Eagle first up, and you think, yeah, but you ran a place. We could have won. It's stanky Yankee all <laughs> over again. I can't decide whether it's a good training performance for being able to produce a horse to run well or whether you're costing yourself something. But it's a very separate rant to fourth of the year, I've got to say. <laughs> it is very separate. <laughs> Eduardo, the shorts, mm. came back with a bang in the spring, Eduardo. Someone was saying he was gone. Won the thousand, yeah. Won the thousand. And picked up a strong, put up a strong nominee for fourth of the year there in the shorts, but unfortunately that was soon usurped. But a good effort. Yep. Animo, another Champions Day fourth. So Champions Day might not have delivered any champions, but it delivered some strong fourth of the year contenders. It's a strong list. Strong list. We stay at Flemington, but much earlier in the year, swats that in a lightning. And I tell you what, we didn't. She didn't. We didn't find her and look for her, but she's probably a contender for. Disappointment of the year. Mm. Oh no, well, this is this year. So, no, she wasn't. She's disappointment of the back half of the year, that's for sure. Then we get to that good series of wait for age races in the Melbourne Spring over middle distances. Mr. Brightside fourth in the Might and Power. Yep. It's good form. Fourth in the Underwood, I'm Thunderstruck. Third on the fourth of the year tally for that. The Thunderwood. Oh, just remembering, I'm disappointed you didn't win that actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everest fourth, Nature Strip. A fine fourth. And to be honest, I think at that point he probably thought it was between him and Thunder. And they were right to think it was between them because they actually ran better. They've both run 120 in fourth. And last year's fourth of the year winner was 119. So there they are sitting there late in the year. They've jumped the bar. On a pair of 120s thinking we have got fourth of the year sewn up. And then a hugely competitive Cox Plate, which has worked out really well as well as a piece of form, the Cox Plate, which... No surprise. No surprise, you would expect. But Zaki, fourth in the Cox Plate, comes out, wins the not-so-champion stakes. It was farcically run. But he goes up and he makes the most of the complete lack of pace in a lot of these races. So fair play to him for doing that and fair play to him for being out fourth of the year. So our two fourths of the year have fought out the QE this year. So it's a top-class award. We've said it before. What a list. That's a strong list. It's a strong list. If ever I've seen one. On to a not-so-strong list. Or our biggest disappointments. Of 2022. Top of the list. And just to recap, previous year, Ole Kirk took out this award last year. Oof, a powerful winner. 118, 103. Bivouac ran a close second. So that was, he was 118 coming into 2021, it would have been. And he only got to 103. Yep. A woeful showing. 15 Deserving pounds. of the award. Bivouac, 128 to 115. September run. Who we did mention as a possible contender, 119 to 107, 12 pounds difference. But she bounced back and she won a William back. Reed. Too good. Stay inside. Who is now at stud? 122, 111. Sort of state, 115, 105. So they were the recipients of the biggest disappointments of 2021. This year, not as hotly contested, 
I think we were a bit stricter on the dates. We were, yeah, we so actually we, did it for Not as hotly contested because we took it more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but Euphoria. The international entry. Well, he is top dog. We weren't exhaustive overseas, to be honest. I can't remember. They probably were worse. Not many horses were labelled the best horse in the world. By some fine judges too, mm. me. 130. <laughs> best we've seen from him this year, 113. Something clearly amiss, but he's nonetheless. Injured, but he's back. We'll find out. He's been a big, big disappointment. So the Aaron McKeenan is in 2022, so he still does have a chance. If he can defend his Aaron crown of he getting himself off this list. So he's a tentative entry. Tentative entry. And what about the motivation for the trainer to get him right? You don't want this award. I don't think he, was, he wasn't that interested until now. It's like, yeah, yeah, the, the richest race in Japan. Well, that's nice. It's like, and you might get yourself off the flop of the year award. Well, cool. crank him up. <laughs> Captivant. 119. This is a powerful nominee. 106 in four runs this year. No, he had a terrible autumn and then they shuffled him off to stud. Mm. Quick, a, get to him. That's exactly what we're after. That's that's exactly – they are the disappointments that that this award is all about. Well, his, his old man's lucky to be at stud to begin with and then he's a disappointing son. But let's get him to stud as well. This one for me hurts because this horse is one of our plus horses of the year. Western Empire. Oof. 121, best he could produce this year, 110. He's He came to Melbourne and embarrassed himself. He did. I actually thought his first up run was fine, but went the wrong way. Went the wrong way and a huge disappointment. His stable mate gets an honourable mention, Graceful Girl. There is a denominator here, but I can't quite draw on what's no, happened no, here. I'm not sure what they've got in common. No. Um, one of the interesting things about Western Empire is that the big rating in the railway, he won the railway by the biggest margin this century. Mm-hmm. At last year's Pinnacles. Well, they were pre-Pinnacles, weren't they? Mm. Uh, comfort me and kiss on all four cheeks for the horses that he absolutely blew off the park. Uh, second in the winter bottom, second in the railway, and second and third in the gold rush this year. So the form has held up, but he hasn't. He's broken. Mm. So that's the thing about that is we know, you've, because we're watching this form drift east, we're watching it everywhere stand up, we know how good you are, buddy. Embarrassing show in 2022. And the worst thing is he only ran twice. I know. That's very Bob, I've got to say. Run more. I think the key is getting back to Grant and Alana. That, that's not happening. <laughs> Going to keep losing, buddy. Mars Crusader, 125 in the Everest now two years ago. Best he could produce this year, 116. He was the boom sprinter. He was going to take the mantle off Nature Strip and Eduardo. Not able to win. He, I don't missed, that, he missed that mantle by an absolute eyelash as well. <laughs> Has he even placed? 116, his he best rating. That, see, that's very generous to him as well because he's got that one run in the premiere where Kementari was there putting up fourth of the year entries behind Lost and Running in Marzu, which is solid form, unspectacular but solid form. So yep. was that 116? 116. But his next best rating would be, he was barely breaking 110. So he's, he went from on the cusp of being the best sprinter in the country to a listed horse. <sighs> it's embarrassing, buddy. Tell you what, that, he didn't poke his beak into the finish of that Premier Stakes and he'd be knocking Western Empire off as the absolute top candidate for mine. And don't throw the magnifying glass over the stable. You won't be happy what you find. No, there are no awards for that, but geez, <laughs> Talk about big disappointments. <laughs> and this one's probably going to get a bit of outrage. That's, Very, all, that's all we're here for. This is yeah. clickbait. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Very elegant. She gets an honorary mention. Oh, yeah. 127 Melbourne Cup. Huge Melbourne Cup spike. Best she could produce 118, which is a Group One figure for a winning mayor, but she's better than that. <laughs> that and was she's been the, a disappointment. 
She did bob up and run two races. Well, you know what might even be more disappointing about Very Elegance 2022 is that she did bob up and run nowhere near her peak, but close enough to what we would call her modal rating, the rating she produced the most. The most. And she did that in the Ramvit and in the Prefoire. Yep. And both of those just teased that she still retained yes. her ability and then she she became a bit of a Goldilocks. They're going too slow for me. I never liked that excuse. They admittedly did. She got into some farcical races, but just rolled. Yeah. Ah, well. Get ready. It's time for Around the Grounds. Jockey edition. Jockey edition. And so what I've done here, because I completely forgot what we did last year. <laughs> uh, so what I did is I took my first filter was you've got to, I went state by state. Yep. Ranked them by total wins, top 20 in total wins in the state. Because if you're not in the top 20 total wins in the state, that's probably a pretty good filter for you don't deserve to win the best jockey of your state. Well, you shouldn't be at the award ceremony. No. And then I took the difference from wins and expected wins. So wins over or under expected wins. I multiply that by the impact value. So the rate at which they produce their winners. Yep. And then I multiply. Hold on, hold on. People are just writing this down on the whiteboard. I don't want to give away the secret sauce that comes up with these brilliant jockey awards. This might be the world's finest measure of jockeys. It is. And then I multiplied all of that by the median improvement value of the horses they switched on to run to run. Don't. People don't have that rating, so we're sweet. Okay, so they can't read. Well, thank goodness for that. The little trap in here is that there can be negative values on those averages, mm-hmm. and if you haven't outridden the market, you'll have a negative value when I... So it becomes positive. Well, it doesn't, because you, you once you multiply by a negative, we've got the brackets in there, order of, you know, don't worry about that. Order of operations is in play. <laughs> <laughs> so there will be negative values, so we're going to get big differences between them. And so to win this award, you need to be hitting your marks on everything. It really is the all-round, like you've got to be... You've got to have had an all-round season. So you're legitimately saying that if you win this award, you are the best jockey in your state on all measures. On, I can't see any way around describing the winner of these awards as the best jockey in their state and the culmination, which still, will be the, the best in Australia. And we still couldn't get any of them to come on the show. Lot, very busy. States and territories, by the way. I'm not skipping the territories. And we start with a territory and the finest territory. It is. Which is the ACT? Do you want to do you want a bit of fun, bit of banter? Do you want to uh, do you want to guess? Do I want to guess? Don't look at the page, hang on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't reckon you'll guess the ACT's premier jockey in twenty twenty two. So only when they've ridden in Canberra, or oh yeah, yeah, this is you've got these are rides in the state or territory. Okay, so only at Thoroughbred Park, who has been the best jockey at Thoroughbred Park? Yep. So McDougal left, and just remember what. The, the so we're talking. Wins over expected wins, so we need to have outridden the market. That's Because if that's in the negative, the whole thing multiplies by zero. You're not getting the top score. Yep. So you need to have ridden more winners than the market expected at a strong impact value. And then if you're improving the horses you jumped on, there's your big multiplier at the finish. And it's a top 20. So we're not going to have one bloke in there with one ride. Not one. <laughs> <laughs> top 20 by wins. But by wins, Obviously yeah. at Canberra you could get into the top 20 by wins with yep. three wins. Three wins, yeah. Because they're not a lot of meetings. Mm, correct. Yeah. So the most wins was Jeffrey Muscles Penzer with nineteen wins, flying. So yeah, we should we'll rattle that off the top. Yeah. Hat tip to hat tip to him, and he he did Muscles. put up a strong score because he he rode those at twice the rate of chance. So his impact value was strong, and he improved the horses that he switched onto by two pounds. So absolutely strong showing, but one knocked him off. I'm going to say Nick Haywood. I'm going to say William Pike, <laughs> <laughs> Canberra's finest. His three winners. Came at two and a half times the rate of chance. And he improved them. He improved 14 rides he had at Canberra. He improved them on average by six pounds. Whoa. Well done, Willie. That's huge. 
I know that when he, he was disappointed with his time in the East, but he would be absolutely thrilled to know that in 2022 he was the best jockey. In Canberra. In Canberra. Well done. Which was one of, when he came across, he would have written down some goals for his time in... No doubt. Yeah. And, uh, it's the nation's capital. I'm breaking up the alphabetical order plan immediately. We're going territories off the top. So we go from... I like it. The Australian capital territory to the territory in the north. Yep. And this is just a one-act affair. It's not even worth mentioning anyone else. The most winners came at a great rate and improved them 78 winners. She was outstanding. She's a absolute top candidate for best jockey nationwide. Any guesses? Well, I know who the dominant jockey is there, so it's, it's defeating the purpose. You are well-versed in the racing world, aren't you? Mm. Sonia Wiseman. So her score of 95.03, admittedly, no one's got anything to be, uh, any context for that, where it sits, but trust me, she's had a big year. We don't get sectionals yet for the NT, but if we did, uh, she'd be racking up a fair few Morikara awards. Absolutely. Very, very true. Uh, a much deeper heat than the NT heat, New South Wales. Ooh. More candidates, more winners. Five jockeys rode over 100 winners in New South Wales. So this is country, metro and provincial. This is the state. Yep. So you reward the jocks that make the effort to go here, there and everywhere. So James McDonald rode 107 winners, but there were 111 expected, so he's minus four off the bat. So We expected think, more, J-Mac. What do you think that does to his score? Yep. It doesn't matter what else you do. You don't beat the market, you don't win this award. Aaron Bullock, on the other hand, rode 118 winners against 105 expected, and he improved horses four pounds that he switched on to. Good numbers. They are all conquering numbers. Big, big numbers. And... For some place getters. Tyler Schiller had a good year. And Sam Clipperton, friend of the show. Friend of the show. On you, Sammy. He would have been somewhere in the did we mention him before? Was he somewhere in the Morikawa ranks? I think we mentioned him too. He needed much. more rain in the back half of the year. Wet tracker. Everyone talks about Jason Collett, but Mr. Clipperton is top dog. We move up to Queensland. So A Bullock was the winner. A Bullock is the winner and, and an <coughs> outstanding winner. A vintage winner. We should highlight beating the market is all that matters to punters. So while J Mac rides a lot of winners and a lot of big winners. We want jockeys that can make us money, which A. Bullock did all year. Yep. He actually had a higher impact value and improved horses more, obviously from a lower base, but I don't care. No. Queensland. So last year's winner, now admittedly we've changed the calculation because I can't remember for the life of me how we figured it out last year, but last year's winner was R. Wiggins up north, right? Yep. If my memory serves. And of course it does. I wouldn't forget. I spent most of this year thinking about it and who would knock him off. If any. If and any. And he did put up. Big numbers again. Big numbers again, and a brave show. I think it over fourth of the year style, brave defence. Brave defence. So James Orman wrote 165 winners he this year. airborne. And as a result, James Orman's score is high. But R. Wiggins has come out of the clouds to do him. Just 129 winners coming from 113 expected winners and impact value exactly the same as James Orman. So he has a very similar impact in a different, slightly different pool to James Orman, but they both ride an absolute ton of winners and they took a whole lot of beating, but improving horses that she gets aboard. Jasmine Corniche. Flying. Flying and runs straight over the top of both of them. So she, pff, a couple of big names and a lot of winners to run over the top of, but Jasmine Corniche, the best rider in Queensland, beyond dispute. South Australia, do you want to get back to guessing? No. I forgot to ask you in Queensland to guess. <laughs> you don't want to get back to guessing. Kayla Crowther was the one to ride over 100 winners in South Australia. And, again, a, a solid show across the board numbers-wise. She's competitive. She's on the podium in South Australia yep. with 106 winners, but one with only 27 winners. 
did it with better underlying numbers. Can you guess who that man is? Oh, I've given it away. Fifty percent of it. I've given it away. Not the mighty chunkster. No. I'm, he rode thirty-two winners, and he should have ridden more <laughs> by my numbers. But uh, you know, good thirty-two winners, and it earned him a spot in Hong Kong. Earned him a spot getting towed by Zach every Wednesday night on fifty-eight raiders around Abbey Valley. Ding, 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 ding. He won't ride 32 winners in 2023. He will not. No, not uh, a chance. So uh, you're not going to guess this. No, of course not. <laughs> this podcast is already probably getting a lot of click-offs. So we <laughs> <laughs> uh, Campbell Rewilla. Really? Really? Don't sound so surprised. The Rewilla name. I thought he cut back on his riding, that's all. Well, he only rode 27 winners, but the rate he did it at was terrific. And in fact, of jockeys on this page, he's far and away had the fewest starters. But that hasn't stopped him... Stamping himself beyond dispute, the best jockey in South Australia. Which is interesting because Brad's in WA riding great flying, numbers, flying, running great numbers in WA. Brad, he just needs more opportunities, which you don't get in group races anyway in Perth. But riding really well over there, Tasmania. Any guesses? It's not still McCool, is it? No, no, no. He killed them last year. Do you know what his big problem was? Market expectation. Horses that he switched on to, their rating decreased. Really? So the big multiplier at the finish is a negative. And if you multiply your winners and your expected winners and everything, well, if you, anything you multiply by a negative. Not good. Bad news. So bad news for B. McCool there. Siggy Carr, Cody Jordan, D. Perez, they're all up there with plenty of winners. But you know what their problem is? Less winners than the market expected. So we start off, again, multiplying by a negative. Hate to go all maths teacher on you, but this that's not going to get it done. Not a good start. And that leaves things for Chelsea Baker to sweep on through, pick up the pieces, right over the stamp top. herself. 46 winners, 38 expected winners, improved them, rode more winners than chance, big year, Chelsea Baker, amongst a lot of big names down there. But a lot of big names riding less winners than people want from them, I noticed. So the Chelsea. females, are, they've almost clean sweeped. Well, I, how many have we got to go? We've got two to go and I don't want to give it away, but it, it, it goes four all. <laughs> We're three all at the moment, so that can that'll help you guess who set, who Victoria's winner was. I think I know I who it is. I will say this: Victoria have tight, absolute tight, and poor show. Uh, the numbers in Victoria were hugely disappointing. Really, hugely. There's some pathetic numbers here. Really, there's, there's some honorary mentions. You know, Harry Coffey had a great year. He did. Jared Fry had a great year. He did, and capped it with a Group One. Well done. Deserved. John Allen, solid as ever. Blake McDougall wrote a lot of winners, but uh, I had to multiply it by Moody's expectations and that <laughs> right in the negatives. <laughs> Big so negative. Gone. See you, Blake. A very weak heat was won by Jamie Carr. And so weak I said, heat. Weak heat. Most would say Melbourne is probably the most competitive. Well, as we said, these numbers are and this methodology is beyond dispute. Correct. So, And the numbers are telling me. Well, like put it this way. Jamie's won this with a rating of 35.2. Yep. And to put some context around that, to give you something you can put, you know, anchor it to, anchor that to. Sonia Wiseman was ninety five point oh three, three times better. Loosely, yeah. They've got a lot of work to do down there. Mm. But then I think about it. And I think about those tempos in staying races. I think maybe no one down there has a clue. I don't know. Disappointing show. But do you know we roll on from that to the west at the bottom of the alphabet. Yep. And if Victoria was disappointing. So CJP, C Parnham, they both haven't outridden the market. Neither's B Parnham. They've all under undershot the market. 
and faithful has slightly overachieved market-wise, but she hasn't improved horses she's got onto. So all the people at the top of the winners list in WA, disappointed. And it leaves us with a man down with, I say just, it's plenty of winners, but just 48 winners. Would you like to have a guess? I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> it's pretty open, isn't it? But I've wiped out a few at the top there for you. Sean O'Donnell. Oh, I thought you were going to get it. It's McGrady. Ah, uh, shooter. Yeah. Sean O'Donnell actually, positive numbers. Mm. He rides well. He was, yeah, he had positive numbers. He would have, um, until we got down a bit lower to, to McGruddy, he was long-time leader. Yeah. Long-time leader from the top of the list there because he rode 81 winners and 75 were expected. So he did outperform the market and he he had a positive impact value. He did improve horses he got onto, but just not by enough to knock off S. McGruddy. Shooter. So the podium, therefore, nationwide. So they're the state by states. Yep. Beyond dispute. But what we want to know. Who is the, the best jockey this year? Well, we'll go, we'll go from... So the third best jockey in Australia is Jasmine Cornish. A few people would argue with that because she's had to run over the top of Jay Orman and R. Wiggins to get it. Last year's winner, a reigning champion and the face of the Queensland Carnival. And it's not easy to run them down and she's done it. So that's a deserving... Huge. Deserving third and a deserving podium. One of the finest bronze medalists this category's ever had. Sonia Wiseman, second... The numbers are dominant. Dominant. She's a Terminator up there. Dominant in the north. Something to remember going into 2023. But the the champion jockey on the numbers is... uh, And he's got it all because he's got all the efficiency numbers. He's got all the numbers we're looking for, but he's also done it with just a huge amount of starters. Only really toppled in Queensland for number of runners and number of winners. So he's got quantity. He's got quality. And he is Australia's best jockey, Aaron Bullock. He takes over from Ryan Wiggins. Huge. No one would dispute that, would they? I think that's it's an uncontroversial winner. Anyone who bets on provincial country New South Wales would love a Bullock. I always thought he was there, Jared Fry, but looking at these numbers, he's he rides a lot more winners than Jared Fry. But Jared Fry is a fantastic jockey as well. His numbers were solid. I don't, I've said that and I immediately, I'm backtracking again. I don't want that to sound like a negative because he's one of my faves. Yeah. But no, a good winner. Big, big year for Aaron Bullock. Is that our, are, we, are we going out on that? I think that rounds us out. You want to backhand anyone else? Or? <laughs> no, no, no. That'll do. That'll do. That'll do for the year anyway. And we'll be back in the new year. I'd say we're going to gear up towards Magic Millions. We're obviously going to get the X Factor back. Absolutely. And of course, in the back of our minds will be the quest for the quokka. <laughs> I got there. You got there. <laughs> the quest for the quokka. How good. And... Lastly, thanks everyone who has tuned in throughout the year. Much appreciated. We still don't believe people actually want to listen to us. Every week we do it, Adam says, no one's actually listening, are they? But we do really appreciate all your support and we'll be back for 2023 with the preamble and the review show. Hope everyone has a great Christmas. Except for Mark Zara. (laughs) (laughs) And all the best uh, for the new year you'll hear from us then. So thanks again. Cheers.